Good morning to my church family. Hear now the words of God. Romans 10, 5 through 13. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on the wise. Shall not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend it into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith, which we preach, that is, thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Todd. I got serious about Jesus right around the time I started high school. It was right around that time that I had this powerful experience of God's presence. In an instant, my heart was filled with this deep and lasting love for God's creation and all of the people in it. In an instant, my heart was filled with this peace that was beyond anything I'd ever experienced before in my life. It was such a powerful and transforming experience that I wanted to share it with other people. I wanted to help other people know Jesus. I wanted to help other people find the peace and the joy that I had found in that moment. And so right around the time I started high school, one night I stayed after youth group. And I asked our, our youth group leader, I said, how can I lead people to Jesus? How can I help people find this peace and this joy and this love? And the youth group leader, he said, oh, that's easy. He said, all you got to do is lead them down the Romans road. I said, well, what, what on earth is that? What's the Romans road? And so he took out a Bible and he showed me. He started flipping pages and marking passages. And he said, listen, if you want to lead somebody to Jesus, all you got to do is take him for a walk through the book of Romans. And then he started turning and showing me verse after verse. He said, you start your journey in Romans chapter 3. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's where you start. You help people understand that all of us together are in the same boat. All of us have sinned. All of us are need of, in need of forgiveness. All of us are in need of God's grace. All of us are in need of saving. That's where you begin the journey. And then you go to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin is death. And this is where you put the fear of God into them. You help them understand that sin is a big deal. Sin is not something that we can regard lightly. If we don't find a way of taking care of our sin, if we don't find a way of dealing with the sin that is in our lives and in our hearts, then we're going to experience death in our lives and death in our hearts. And he said, once you got the fear of God into them, then you go back to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 4 is where you hit them with grace. Romans chapter 5, verse 4 says, Jesus died for us 
while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. You help people understand that even though we have sinned and wandered away from God, God has never once wandered away from us. God keeps loving us with a deep and an unbreakable love. God continues to reach out to us. And once they have heard the message of grace, he said, then you take them to Romans 10 and close the deal. Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, the apostle Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you can just get them to say, Jesus is Lord, he said, they will be saved. They will experience liberation and release. They will experience forgiveness and freedom from sin. In that moment, they will know God's joy. In that moment, they will know God's peace. All you got to do is walk them down the Romans road. Romans 3, Romans 6, Romans 5, Romans 10. Get them to say, Jesus is Lord, and they will be saved. Well, that night I went home from youth group and I spent a long time with my Bible. I spent a long time flipping pages and marking up the pages of of my own Bible and memorizing those verses so I would be ready to lead somebody down the Romans road if the opportunity ever presented itself. The next day, I started taking my Bible with me to school. Day after day, I would carry my Bible around with me through the halls and the classrooms of the school waiting for that opportunity to lead somebody down the Romans road, to lead somebody to Jesus. And I I waited, and I waited, and I waited. Four years of high school, I waited for the perfect opportunity to get out my Bible and lead somebody down the Romans road, and you know it never happened. Not, not once in the cafeteria did somebody look at me and say, you know, Jeremy, I noticed you've been carrying your Bible around, and I was wondering if you could explain to me how I can experience the peace and joy that comes from knowing Jesus. Not, not once did I overhear somebody say, if only there were somebody here today who could explain to us the concepts of sin and salvation as we find them in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. Not, not once did that happen, and that, that was frustrating, and that was discouraging. But then I went to college, and I was excited to go to college. Because I figured, where are you going to find more sinners and heathens in need of saving (laughs) than on a college campus? And so I brought my Bible to college. And I joined all of the Christian organizations that there were on campus because I figured one of them must be doing evangelism somewhere. Somebody had to be able to hook me up. And then I was thrilled. I was excited when I found out that one of those organizations was organizing what, what they were calling an alternative spring break. They were going to send a group of students down to Florida during spring break. But those students, they weren't going down for drinking and debauchery like, like the rest of the American college population was. They were going down to Florida. They were going to the beach in order order to do evangelism. They were going to share God's love and lead people down the Romans road there on the beach in Florida, and I was thrilled. This was the opportunity I had been waiting for. I was ready to pack my bags, and then I looked at my calendar, and I realized that I had a conflict, and I couldn't go. To make matters worse, my roommate didn't have a conflict, and he got to go, and I was so jealous. All through spring break, I imagined him down there on the beach, leading people down the Romans road, helping people experience God's love and peace and joy. And when he got back, I grilled him. I interrogated him. I said, tell me everything. I want to hear every detail. I want to hear all about it. And my roommate, he looked at me, and he said, you know, I'm not really sure what I was expecting but I don't think it was whatever it was that I was expecting. 
And then he told me what they had done for the week. He said, when we got there, the, the leaders of this group, they, they put on a sort of a training for us, and they, they taught us how to strike up a conversation with people on the beach about Jesus. He said, here's what we would do. We would go to the beach, and we would throw a Frisbee around. And when we saw somebody who looked like they needed Jesus, we would accidentally throw the Frisbee over their way. And then we would send the prettiest girl in the group over to get the Frisbee back. And she would strike up a conversation. She would say, hi, I'm from Michigan. Where are you from? And when they were good and hooked, when they were well and deep into that conversation, at some point she would say, by the way, would it be okay if I told you about the difference that Jesus has made in my life? And it was right about then. It was right about the time my roommate told me about the Frisbee that I started asking some serious questions. It was right about that time that I started asking questions like, is it possible that maybe we have been going about this evangelism thing in completely the wrong way for a very long time? Is it possible that maybe God doesn't want us to use deception and manipulation in in leading people to Jesus? Is it it possible that a a three-quarters inebriated guy on the beach saying Jesus is Lord because he wants to keep talking to a pretty girl is not what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he wrote his letter to the Romans? What did did the Apostle Paul have in mind when he wrote those words in Romans 10? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, E. Stanley Jones could have helped me find good answers to all of those questions. So last Sunday, we heard a little bit about the life of the Methodist missionary E. Stanley Jones. We heard how he traveled from from Baltimore to Kentucky and then from Kentucky to India as a Methodist missionary. We We heard how he befriended Gandhi and became close to many of the leaders of the Indian independence movement. After he had spent several years in India, E. Stanley Jones came back to the United States. He needed, he needed a break. He needed a rest. Being a missionary was hard work. And while he was recuperating back in the United States, he took the time to write a sort of a report of the things that he had experienced and the things that he had been doing while he was in India. He wrote about the people he had met and the experiences that he had had. And also in this, this report, this missionary report, this memoir, he wrote about this radical idea he had that maybe missionaries had been going about evangelism in the wrong way for a very long time. He wrote about this idea that he had that maybe missionaries would actually be more effective in leading people to Jesus if they didn't do it through manipulation and coercion. He wrote this radical idea that maybe missionaries would be more effective if they could be more respectful and sensitive to the cultures of the people they were trying to reach. He wrote about this radical new way that he had of, of being a missionary and doing evangelism. Well, a few months after he wrote this report, somehow it got compiled and published as a book. And the title of the book was The Christ of the Indian Road. And after that book, The Christ of the Indian Road, was published, something remarkable and completely unexpected happened. The book became a bestseller. Within a few months, the book had sold more than a million copies. Now, to give you some idea of how remarkable that is, consider that today in the United States, something like a million different books are published each year. And of those million books that are published each year, about 10 will go on to sell more than a million copies. That's today, in today's world, with all of the media that we have available and and e-books that you can download, only 10 books each year sell more than a million copies. E. Stanley Jones did it 100 years ago. 
He sold a million copies of his book way back in 1926. And suddenly, E. Stanley Jones was in high demand. He started traveling not just back to India, but around the world from continent to continent and nation to nation. And everywhere he went, huge crowds of people would come to hear E. Stanley Jones tell the story of God's love in Jesus. And often as he was traveling, where where he would go and speak to people, E. Stanley Jones encountered a, a language barrier. A lot of the time he was preaching to people through interpreters and translators, and that was frustrating. He missed that feeling of connecting directly to people and speaking directly to people. And so as he traveled around the world, E. Stanley Jones came up with a way of bridging that language gap. He came up with a, a way of speaking to people that translated language, trans- transcended language and culture. Here's what he would do. Wherever he went around the world, when he met somebody, E. Stanley Jones would hold up three fingers. And those three fingers represented three simple words. Those three fingers represented the words, Jesus is Lord. And as he traveled around the world, people came to learn what this meant. And and wherever he went, wherever E. Stanley Jones went, when people saw him coming, they would hold up three fingers and they would say, Jesus is Lord in whatever their language was. And in his book, Dr. Jack Harnish, in his book, 30 Days with E. Stanley Jones, Dr. Jack shares a story that helps us to understand the power and the meaning of those words. Now, Dr. Jack Harnish tells the story of a missionary from Michigan who was doing ministry in Africa in the 1950s. And she was in the part of the world that, that then was called the Belgian Congo. And it just so happened that that one day E. Stanley Jones came to speak in the village where she was doing ministry. And she said when he arrived, the crowd of people who had come to hear him was so big that we couldn't fit in the church. And so instead, all of those people gathered in a field behind the church. And E. Stanley Jones climbed up on the roof of a shed that was behind the church so he could look out and see all of those people. And she said he got up on the roof of that shed and he looked out at all those people and he held up three fingers and he said, he shouted to those people, Yezu ni buana, which means Jesus is Lord. And she said all of those people together, they raised their hands and they shouted right back to E. Stanley Jones, Yezu ni buana. And she said that moment, that day, marked a turning point for followers of Jesus in that part of Africa. In Swahili, the word buana, it means Lord. It also means master or boss. And she said up to that point, the followers of Jesus and the people in that part of Africa had used that word buana when they were speaking to the white American and the white European missionaries who had come to serve in that part of Africa. They would call the missionaries buana. They would call the missionaries master or boss. But she said after that day in that part of Africa, people stopped calling the missionaries buana. From that day forward, she said, the only one anybody in that part of Africa called Buana was Jesus. And the people in that field that day understood the true depth and meaning and significance and power of the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans 2,000 years ago. They understood the significance of these fingers and this creed. They understood that Jesus is Lord is not a magic formula that we say so we can go to heaven after we die. Jesus is Lord is a confession, it's a statement of faith, it's a creed that has the power to set us free from the powers of this world in this life, in the here and now. They understood that when E. Stanley Jones said Jesus is Lord, he meant Jesus is Lord and E. Stanley Jones is not. 
Jesus is Lord, and the missionaries who manipulate and coerce you and tell you that you need to let go of your culture in order to follow Jesus are not. Jesus is Lord, and the politicians who oppress God's children are not. Jesus is Lord, and the nations that seek to exploit the people and exploit the land are not. This is what people understood the Apostle Paul to mean when he wrote Romans chapter 10 2,000 years ago. They understood that when the Apostle Paul wrote, Jesus is Lord, he meant Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Jesus is Lord and the empire is not. Jesus is Lord and the religious powers and authorities of this world are not. Jesus is Lord and the powers that tried to put a stop to the ministry of Jesus are not. And God proved it by raising Jesus from the dead. In that moment, on that day, God proved that there is nothing the empires of this world can do that Jesus cannot undo. And there is nothing that the religious authorities of this world can say that Jesus cannot unsay. Jesus is Lord is a confession, a statement of faith, a creed that helps us to understand that it doesn't matter what the empires of this world say about us. It doesn't matter what the religious authorities of this world say about us. It doesn't matter what our neighbors or the people sitting next to us in the pews or even the pastor standing in front of the congregation has to say about us. The only thing that matters, the only word that matters is the word that Jesus speaks about us and he proved his love for us by dying for us while we were yet sinners. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, he will set you free from the powers of this world, free from the weight of other people's expectations, free, free to experience the joy and the peace and the love of God. Let's pray. God, we pray today that you would set us free. We pray today that the things we say with our mouth and with our hands, the confession we make that Jesus is Lord would make its way to our hearts, that we would believe that you did raise him from the dead, that your love, that his gospel are more powerful than sin and death. God, embrace us today that we might be free. In Jesus we pray. Amen.